1: Hey hey, everybody and welcome, welcome, welcome to one of my favorite hours of the week here with Forbes Factor. Uh, I'm in San Diego. I think we have that little game going, where is Waldo or where in the world is Forbes Riley today? I just got back from Sacramento and spending time with Elaine Lalane, who, if you're within the sound of my voice and you want to hear greatness, you should come to my mastermind tonight. And if you'd like a free pass, if you're not already a member, just go to Forbes Riley's Inner Circle if you're listening to this broadcast live. Elaine is 95, turning 96. She was married for 50 years to the fitness Hall of Fame rock star, unbelievable man who started Arnold Schwarzenegger's career and so many others. He's the reason there's a health club in every hotel because of Mr. Jack Elaine, who I spent eight years on uh, television with, doing the Jack Elaine juicer. We were on air with one show that ran, one infomercial that ran for eight years in 80 countries and it grossed a whopping $1 billion. I have a great photo of Jack and I and Elaine in Times Square as the ticker is going and just hit this massive milestone of just a testament to the pitching things that I teach about how you get people to want what you have, whatever it is, and the skills with which you can enroll someone into your point of view. And so here in the Forbes factory, we focus on health, wealth, and happiness. That is a very, very important thing as we're talking about everybody's health and staying fit and healthy. And I'm, you know, I'm a huge advocate of nutrition and physical fitness and really understanding what your body is. And so it's an interesting time when people are fighting things that they should have been fighting a long time ago. You know, uh, prior to COVID, uh, heart disease was the number one killer. And I would ask people every day, what are you doing to love on your heart? Are you getting it to beat faster are you sharing it with other people are you doing amazing things because that's one of the things i think we forget and so what we do every week here is we bring you exciting information challenging thoughts new concepts and the good thing for me is thanks to michelle up there uh, one of my dear friends who's helping me in my company we are working on launching the forbes factor book it's been 12 years in the making i hadn't really focused on it, and of course, you all know that what you focus on expands, and so uh, I've taken every letter of Forbes Factor, F-O-R-B-E-S, F-A-C-T-O-R, and made it an acronym like I am so prone to do. For those of you who love my my diet eating program, you know that I changed the word diet to take it from starvation and deprivation, like, oh, to D-I-E-T, Decisions I Eat Today. And when you do that program, you can eat whatever you want and lose weight and get fit. And we've had, I don't know, know—twenty or 30,000 people go through the program and just find happiness. My, my favorite story about that program is that we started it in October many years ago and butted up against Thanksgiving. And the cool thing was because we teach how to make different decisions every day, uh, I thought everyone was going to fall off the wagon. I was like, I don't know how you're going to do this. And they came back with these unbelievable stories. And I think you've come to grow and love me that I share stories, I embrace your stories, I love when you get to the truth of them because you can move mountains and change lives. Wasn't it Martin Luther King who started a story said, said, you know, I have a dream and just started speaking about it and it became reality. And so people came back from Thanksgiving with stories of, oh, my gosh, I brought grilled vegetables and everybody fought over them, or I brought my own salad with this dressing, or I had Grandma May's pecan pie, but instead of eating the whole thing like she wants me to do, I mushed it out with my fork, I took a teeny bite, and I was good. And on an average, they all lost 30 pounds in about 10 weeks with no diet. So now that I'm taking Forbes Factor and really breaking down from foundation and organization to the words believe, education, and start, things that I've built an entire empire around. I am now going to share this in a book form, and I'm thrilled with my my writer that I'm doing this with and all, my, all the people willing to help support this program. So if you're interested in The Forbes Factor book, find me on Facebook and say, hey, yes, when it comes out, I'd love to be on an advanced copy list, or if I come to your town for a book signing, I'd love to be part of the VIP community. And then, and then, I'm in San Diego because I'm going to do something that I've wanted to manifest forever. On Sunday, I'm preaching. That's right. I'm going to step into a church. I've got 30 minutes uh, in front of a congregation of 300 live and 2,000 around the world, and I'm going to be preaching. Forbes, what are you preaching? Well, tune in at six o'clock on Sunday. I'll probably be clubhousing it or Facebook living it. because I cannot wait to share it. It's been a dream of mine forever to transcend some of the things that I do that I don't really talk about, about how spiritual and manifestation and beliefs and put it into words where I don't have to apologize. You know, when you're in a room full of entrepreneurs, you're always going, oh, well, you know, do I mention God? Do I call it the universe? Do I say manifestation? And I've just decided at this age and this time in my life, I am no longer going to apologize for my beliefs. And I'm going to take people along with me because I'm on the greatest ride ever, where we literally magically make amazing lives come forth. And so if you're willing to play small, you're not, you don't want to be in my space anymore. You just don't. Because I demand things of people. I demand that their language is clean. They stop saying the word trying and I don't know and basically and like and all those silly verbal diarrhea that you all throw up on each other oh god did I just say throwing up diarrhea I'm going to get a note from my 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 station going could you not say those words in the same sentence (laughs) all right well I've got a wonderful guest today she actually has her own show on the network and they call her the social worker with a microphone it's my first time meeting Catherine Zox and again I have not met many people whose last name have Z and an X in them very clever there Catherine, will you turn on your camera so we can see your beautiful face? Okay. Now that's my challenge, turning
2: on the camera. I
1: where do I turn on my
2: camera? I only do radio.
1: Uh, well, this is sort of radio. Uh, if you go down, if you go down to that little thing on the left. for right. the video? Yeah. I am. How about that? There you go. You got me.
2: Okay, oh, You all have right. a face for yeah.
1: television. Don't you? Yeah. Your- do
2: I, you know, I, I first, I thought I was not going to be on camera. So I, you know, okay, fine. And then I realized, okay, I have to be on camera. So I had to put on my own makeup, which I don't do well at at all hair, the whole thing, but you can't really see my hair because of the phone. So
1: I'm okay. I think you're more than okay. I think <laughs> you're wonderful. Nice to meet you. Nice uh, we to meet you. The, we share the same wonderful producer and staff, but tra- uh, Tacey, Trump has been such a little light in my life, and she's so helpful and supportive. And I said to her, "I said, you know, I'm traveling, and I I have a couple of holes in my schedule. Who yeah, you have them wonderful, and you were on the top of the list.
2: Well, thank you, and I have to thank Tacy. That's great. I feel yeah, because I say, hmm, why does Forbes want me on the show? Uh, I'm your social worker with a microphone, as you know. Actually, I've been I think it's been I've been at Voice America for fifth.
1: I think it's close to I don't know if it's 15 years, 12 years, a long time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I've actually started on radio, uh, not started, actually, radio intersected. I was on um, Westwood One Entertainment. I actually interviewed classic rock stars for a year, not in my wheelhouse of things I would have ever thought I could do or wanted to do, but I had a great agent who was very non traditional. And she submitted me with a whole bunch of other people who were way more qualified as former disc jockeys. And they liked me because I knew nothing about who I was talking to. I really didn't. I did not know when I talked to, to Steely Dan, I said, so tell me about, you know, how you got the name for the band. And they're like, oh, boy, you, know, you probably heard that. It's a, it's a steel dildo. And I thought, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't think I knew that or I wouldn't have asked it. And I would ask the most, the oddest questions because I wasn't a raving fan. And it's funny when you don't know things about somebody, yeah. you come from a place that the audience is coming from of, oh, who are they? What do I want to know from them? And so, Catherine, social working, what does that
2: mean for you? Social working. I've been doing social work. I'm not going to tell you how many years I've been doing it, but that's what I started out doing. I actually went to law school, dropped out of law school, went into the Peace Corps with my ex-husband, came in Colombia, in South America, came back, decided, well, I'm not going to go back to law school because I was sort of, it was just right in the beginning, leave of absence, and decided, you know, I think I want to get a degree I got a degree in counseling first. I have two master's degrees, got a degree in counseling, worked in a rehab hospital, worked in all kinds of uh, really every kind of patient or client you, drugs, alcohol, rape, abuse, everything. And uh, then decided then got pregnant, and then decided I guess I had I can't remember if I had two or three of my kids, but anyway and went back and got a master's degree in social work as an older student at 36. I thought, you know, that's not that old, not from where I am right now, but it was 36 years old, got a master's degree. And then I've always, like you, but I'm not a motivational speaker. I could never do what you do. I mean, it's really interesting. It's really like, I because I've been watching your shows and I've been watching all your presentations and like you get up there, you're the only one. I like to talk to people, but get they're the expert. I'm not the expert. You are the expert, and you're sharing. You know, you're pitching your expertise. Well, mine's exactly the opposite. I'm a good social worker, but I've also done theater and modeling and uh, TV uh, commercials, those kinds of things. So I combined the two. The radio, your social worker with the microphone, was getting uh, the sort of getting the word out about the kinds of. Issues that I thought were important related to social work, but doing it in a you know in a, a setting that has to do with the media, and so um, I, I just combined my two areas of expertise. So shows I did the traditional social work, and now I'm doing it. I did it in the context of I used to uh, actually volunteer for public radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading the newspaper, reading the New York Times online for people who couldn't see, um, doing all those kinds of things. I have a lot of... I, I seem yeah. like I've
1: met a sister from another mother, Yeah, also from New York, uh, <laughs> yeah. was going to law school. That was the trajectory, but I always wanted to be an actress. and But that wasn't a job for the guidance counselors in my high school. You had to be a doctor or a lawyer if you were smart. And exactly. if you don't like blood, you had no choice. I'm like, and it was odd when I came to realize there were so many other jobs that you could have done. If somebody had mentioned to me that advertising was a thing or um, promotional work, I didn't even know what a CEO was until I was in my mid-30s. I come from a very blue-collar family, and the Internet hadn't happened, so we didn't know all of these things. And it was odd how long my education about what the world is took to evolve. I wish I'd known it a little bit quicker, but I opted not to go to law school, and in my senior year, my acting teacher, I'd never gotten the lead in anything I'd ever auditioned for. I, fact, in high school, I used to get townsperson number three in chorus, which just made me anxious and upset. And, and I was an ugly little girl, had a bad broken nose and frizzy hair. And I just don't, I was not who I am now. Uh, although that's not true. I think I always was this inside, but nobody wanted to believe it except me. And the nose got fixed uh, when I was 15, thanks to a doctor. My dad was in the hospital for three years and the doctor offered to fix that. And it changed my appearance. It changed everything, actually. And my senior year of college, my professor, David Richmond, gave me the lead in a Shakespearean play. And I remember when I saw that, even on the call board, I went to him and I said, help me understand. Why would you? That's a really big part. And he said to me, you know, you're my ideal, Rosalind. And he started to tell me all the things that he saw inside of me, the strength, the depth, the communication skills that no one had ever mentioned that I thought I might have had. I wanted to believe, but nobody validated it. And when he said all of that, and I looked at him, something happened because David Richmond was 100% legally blind. And it hit me that he could see me better than anyone had ever seen me. And if those things were true, on that belief alone, I could go off to New York and pursue an acting career. And I did, and I had lots of ups and downs. And I've certainly been on television from infomercials to movies. I just did did two movies this year. Never hit the Julia Roberts stand, you know, that level, which I guess I'm grateful for too now that I understand the whole Me Too movement at that level that really was way more prevalent in Hollywood. And I probably would not be able to handle all of that. And then found myself in physical fitness and promoting products and grossing two and a half billion dollars. You're like, wow, apparently that talking skill that you've got is pretty darn good, but it sounds like you. And then a variety of skills led not to one job, but a lifetime career. Yeah,
2: I think that's well said. I just want to go back. What movies? Because you said you did two movies this
1: year. What what movies did you? So on, on Netflix, I've got a movie out right now called How to Train Your Husband. And the second one that we just finished is called From Farm to Fork to Love. And I play a New York food critic. And there's a small food competition happening in, I think we shot this in Kansas City. And it's a love story, very Hallmark kind of movie. And I have a fun role, and for six days in the middle of COVID, I got to go shoot them film, which was just spectacular. Then I'm on a television series on Amazon Prime called Transcend, where I play a demon. And then the most frustrating part of COVID, and I'm very angry about this, was I got the lead in a TV series playing the devil, playing Lucy, in a project called Angel Dust. But I couldn't get into Canada Uh, for a year and a half. They just finished shooting it. I ended up voicing over, I ended up being the voice of God, which sounds a lot like this very much feminine. I I know, interesting, right? I got to be a female God.
2: No, I know the voice of God because I too am the voice of God, but in a different context at the university. of (laughs) So here we are. We, (laughs) uh, University of Albany, graduation 35,000. We usually have 35,000 people outside. I am the voice that you just hear on over the loudspeaker telling you where to sit, Announcing the people who go up on the stage, so it's the voice of God they call it because you know you can't see me, you don't, which is fine. Uh, so yeah, one
1: voice of God to another. Well, so okay. it's you, me, and Morgan Freeman. That's there you right. go. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love him. him. Yeah, yeah. So we have got three minutes to break. Uh, okay. I would love to talk a little bit about the state. So social work, does that really? You you does that entail getting people healthier when you define that word? What do I think of a social worker? What is that for you?
2: Oh, that's a good question, because a lot of people have different, uh, I guess, definitions or perceptions of what a social worker is. I mean, a social worker helps people, yes, to get healthy. I mean, I would think perhaps, you know, it's a whole gestalt. Yes, they need to be physically healthy. But I think social workers traditionally help people to be mentally healthy, to help them to uh, to get along in a relationship, to take a look at their lives. You know, they could be depressed. They could be, as I mentioned, kind of earlier. I mean, could be addicted to drugs or alcohol. It doesn't have to be that extreme, but uh, think of the word counselor. Maybe that's easier going to a counselor. Uh, you could do group therapy and I myself have been in there. And I think anybody who does counseling or does social work needs to have gone in counseling or therapy themselves. I really believe that, which I have been in. Um, and, uh, Usually when you get a master's degree, they recommend that, that you do that. So you have understanding where you're coming from before you're trying to help other people. So social workers are this macro social, well, macro social work and micro social work. Macro is setting policy, social work policy. It's more administrative. The micro is dealing with clients, individuals, one-to-one or groups um, so that's kind of basically what social work is. It's changing, especially during COVID social workers, psychologists, uh, you know, instead of doing things, uh, one-to-one in an office, they're doing it virtually online. That's a whole new field, uh, because they couldn't see clients obviously in their office. It's a good thing for peer, uh, vulnerable people, people who can't get to an office. Now you actually don't have to, make them get there. You can actually talk to them online, do counseling and therapy online. So, you know, that's all evolved since COVID.
1: The good and the bad of COVID. All right. We've got about 30 seconds. We're going to take a quick break to hear from some of my sponsors. We come back. I want to talk about the state of mental health with people. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily getting any better, but I'm not a professional in this. Although I do a crazy thing called breakthrough where I change people's lives. And I have a very strong feeling about actual therapy. So I have a feeling we come back, you guys, we're going to get into it. About okay, good. <laughs> both sides of therapy, where it originated from, and who those guys, Freud and Jung, really were, and why we're listening to them in the first place. Okay. <laughs> I'm right. ready. I'm ready to go. Yeah, All right, because I want to I get into this. This is going to be a okay. lot of fun. And I want to say okay. hi to Olga and Joyce and Daniela and Namela Kai, an amazing group of people who are fans and friends, and they're on Facebook watching us. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this message.
0: channel you are listening to the forbes factor to call in with a question or comment please call 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or send an email to forbes at forbes now back to the show here's forbes riley
1: everybody, it is Forbes Raddy from the sunny downtown San Diego. I can actually show you guys as I'm sitting high atop a, a building here and just having a wonderful time. You know, uh, in class today, you know, I teach a class called Make Money with Forbes, which my students are all doing. We had a wonderful conversation about manifestation and my belief system about how if you dream it and believe it, you really can achieve it, whatever it is. And one of the things I want to leave with all of you, just thinking about when you say that you want to manifest something, what are the words with which you articulate that statement? So one of our girls today, I won't say any names because my students are all watching. But one of them said what she wanted. She said, I want four to six clients for my new coaching business. And I said, you're not going to get them. That's not a, mis- that's not a manifestation statement. I said, what? I said, did you hear how you said it? So then we got into this conversation. I'm going to ask Catherine about this, about parking angels. Because that is a crazy manifestation thing. And I started it a long time ago. Maybe I started as, a, as kind of a joke with my kids. But I would say to my kids, we're driving around, you know, looking when you go to park at a mall or something, and it's very crowded, you want to park close to the door. I'd say, guys, let's ask the parking angels, parking angel, parking angels, find us a great spot. And then one would appear. And so they got us in this head that, that maybe that's real. And it would happen a lot. I had a car in New York City, and I always had a parking spot. So if that might be manifestation what else can you do? So if you're gonna say that you want four to six clients, the angels are like, look, I don't know, does she want four or six? And I worked on her to get her to simply say, I want six clients. And then what was interesting is one of my other, I want six clients to do X. One of my other students today, she said, I want something about 20 fitness clients, but she has none of them. Because I said to her, I said, how many do you have? She said, I have like, well, maybe two. I said, I don't know what like and maybe are guys. But as the architect, the architect of verbal communication, which is what I think I'm going to start naming myself, the architect of verbal communication, creating skills to get what you want and yeses anytime, anywhere. It comes from being a magician, comes from being a motivational speaker. I don't have time on stage for ums, like basically, you know, all those things are irrelevant words. Plus your psychology, your subconscious is hearing the words out of your mouth. So if it's not very confident, your subconscious is going, well, I don't think she knows what she wants. And then you don't get it. And it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy. So one of my students, we manifest about 50 things today, literally in class in one hour. One of my students says, I want 20 fitness students. How many do you have now? Like two? Well, but they didn't really, you have none. She had none. I said, great. I said, here's what you need to do. Here's the business plan. I said, you have no before and after testimonials, do you? She said, no. And when she started talking about what she did, she didn't really make it an enrollment. She said, I'm a fitness competitor and I've done this and I've done that. We all know about pitching. It's not about the you, it's about what you can do for someone else. I said, so you need to put out a request for 10 clients completely for free. You're going to take them through your six week program. You're going to have them sign a release that you can use their information. You're going to take a before photo, a during photo and an after photo, meet with them on zoom every week, at least maybe every day, depending on what your program is. And you're going to get results. And she's like, Oh my, that sounds amazing. And then one of my other students said, well, why don't we all in this class volunteer to be those 10? Bam, literally within five minutes of creating this, she had her case study group and now she's on her way. She manifested all of that. So manifest begins with you creating a belief that you're willing to speak. I came down to san diego yesterday got on a plane at two o'clock in the afternoon had no place to stay i had no idea my kids are here somewhere but they were they were they were not feeling great so i said i'll just stay somewhere and i said in my head someone's gonna put me up tonight now i can afford a hotel room it was not about that but i like to test my parking angels So i said someone's gonna put me up tonight and then i left him let just let it go but i said it with an intention that that's already a done deal and then one of my friends said oh hey i heard you're gonna be in san diego and he's a big entrepreneur and i said I would love to speak because that's what he was doing before I left two years ago. And I said, I'd like to speak if you have an event coming up. Within five minutes, he called back. He said, I don't know if you've ever spoken in church, but I'm happy to give you 30 minutes to speak in church. Well, he didn't know this, but my angels do that. I bought a URL called www.churchofthefit.com because I have wanted to do that for a long time. And then he graciously said, let me treat you to a hotel room tonight. And I thought, you know, I thought about it, had an intention, put it out there, loved on it, and it happened. So the question for you for today, as it was for everyone in my class, what have you manifested lately? Or as we say, what have you forged lately? Because to Forbes something is to manifest it even though no one else thinks it's possible. Be specific, be intentional, and take a moment for all my Facebook friends who are watching, put it in the chat. What's one thing that you want? Because you will not get it if you don't tell anyone about it. This art of enrollment, it's everywhere. And so Catherine, as you're listening to that, what's one thing that you've manifested that nobody thought that you could?
2: Uh, I think probably being on the radio, getting my own radio show uh, and being able to get an audience. I mean, I grew up in a very patriarchal family actually a privileged family. You know, you said you came from a working class family. I came from the opposite. I was very comfortable, you know, go to school, get a degree, get married, do the right thing, uh, pay forward, uh, volunteer, all of those kinds of things, which I have done, but not necessarily get out there and get your own radio show amongst, and all the other things that come along with that. So, um, I guess that answers your question. I mean, I would say that would be, I mean, you know, that happened a long time ago. Um, I think one thing that w- when you were talking about, you know, I manif- manifestate, manif- manifesting um, as a social worker, when you have clients come in and it, we sort of put, I put it in the terms of like people come in wishing and hoping, well, I wish this would happen and I hope that would happen and maybe it will, and maybe it won't. Well, it's definitely not going to happen if that's if you're wishing and hoping you have to, put a face on it. You have to define it. You have to have a goal. You can't reach a goal unless you have a goal. If you don't have a goal, then you're not going to reach your goal. So you know, it's a little bit different, I think, in terms of when you are treating clients. And actually, it's been a while since I've actually been doing uh, one-to-one and treating clients because I'm doing the radio show amongst other things. But yeah, so you, um, you, have, to, you have to have a goal and you have to define it. And then you're on your way to reaching that goal. But another thing that you did, which you said when you came and you didn't have a place to live, you know, you have a place to live. You could have have gone to a hotel, but you didn't. But you also at the same time, you leave your options open. I do that too, so you can discover new things. It's not that you're chaotic and you're running around and you don't have a plan. Yeah, I, I, I can get a hotel room anytime. That's not the issue. But you left your options open, and then that's what happened to you. You know, now you're—I'm jealous, actually. Now you're in the. But
1: well, don't be—don't be jealous. Be enjoying it. You know, <laughs> <You're I'll>, preaching. <laughs> I, well, I, I am preaching, and even what happened yesterday, and what I love is having a platform to share this. So here's another goofy moment that happened yesterday, and maybe it's because I stopped to appreciate the moments that they become something worthy of talking about, but I was running a car. So Joshua and I have been talking for a while. We went down to Costa Rica for two months. Again, had no idea we were going down longer than a couple of days, ended up for two months. That is part of this life, laptop lifestyle and all the things that I am teaching my students. I have graduated 4,000 students since last June, teaching them to create money anywhere, anytime. And so we've been talking about a Jeep because the roads are terrible down there. So when I was looking online, I and I said, Oh, you know, I could rent a Jeep. It was not an outrageous price. So I said, I rented a Jeep. But I get to the rental car place yesterday and I'm looking around and there's not many, there's I see one silver one. And I thought, okay. And then somebody stepped into that. And I said, I to myself, I said, I hope that this company hope has enough Jeeps because I had a vibe that they didn't, that they sold me something they didn't have. And so as I'm waiting there, and this is one of these moments that I just I just love. I almost can feel the angels. This big hot red Jeep comes right, comes up, and I'm like, oh, but then I noticed it wasn't my license plate. And there's these two men, like, okay, and the guy said, That's yours to them. And they said, Oh, you know, we don't have any left. I'm like, I knew, why didn't I know that? But there's like a Jeep Cherokee SUV. And I'm like, not the same thing. I said, I wanted to treat my teenagers to they're gonna put their surfboards, and I said, their red Jeep is has to be mine. And I said it to myself. With that, these two gentlemen, both from Mexico, from Puerto Vallarta, literally turned to me. And I know I said it in my head. They said, would you like this Jeep? We're happy to take the other one. And I thought, I want my students around me. I want you to feel what I – because I really said that to myself going, that's what I want. That's what my kids deserve right now to have fun here in San Diego. And they literally – just offered it to me. I was so moved. I was like, wow, just, and actually the funny thing was they drove up with another black one and these guys were very happy, but at that moment they didn't know that they were doing something wonderful for someone else. And so it is about having a lightness, not being angry when things don't go your way. And I'll share one more story. I don't talk about very often in Catherine, Look, you're making me want to do my social work. (laughs) I am preaching, (laughs) but there's moments in life when they don't, doesn't go right. Doesn't go the way you think it's supposed to go. For example, the plane it's delayed. Somebody cuts you off on the roadway. How do you react to it? Well, I'm going to give you a quick little story. Two stories really fast. One, I have a ticket on Flight United 93. That's the plane that crashed into the ground in Pennsylvania on September 11th. I didn't end up getting on it because I got rerouted that night as I was in New York City. Rather than go to Washington, the woman behind the counter said, look, just go straight to Denver and go home tonight. That saved my life. I never look at, it doesn't matter what happens with the plane. If it's like, I'm like, great, I'll go have a coffee. I'll sit here. I never, ever, ever, ever think I have to be somewhere because I wouldn't be here. And the second one, which haunts me to this day, I just bought this beautiful Lexus SUV. My baby daughter is in the back and she had a tendency to throw up when she, anyway, I'm at a light, big, big intersection in Los Angeles. And just as I was thinking that she throws up in my car, my brand new car. And I had this moment where I turned around and I saw the car next to me with a couple of kids. And I'm like, oh, my God, really? And I'm, as I'm having this moment of, oh God, really? Talk about a new car, icky smell. The light turned green and I didn't go because I wasn't focused on it. But I saw the car go next to me as a semi truck took out the entire car. And I often think if I'd stepped on the gas, how different my life would be. And so for all of you, you just inspired the story, Kath, and I haven't said that story in 10 years. I don't even, I just got chills that when things don't go your way, even though you're manifesting everywhere, you might not get, well, Forbes said, if I just believe it, I could get it. It doesn't work that way, but there's a gratitude of what you do get when you get it, or even to observe my little red Jeep story. It's such a tiny little story, but it builds my sense of confidence of wanting to believe that manifestation works. And I tell you all the time, you don't have to believe in it for it to be real. You don't have to believe in gravity for it to work. Look, I don't believe in gravity. It doesn't matter. Gravity doesn't need me. Manifesting doesn't need you to believe. But when you do believe, things happen. And there's a joyousness to your life that people in my world, in my trainings, all, all experiencing. And so I'm going to invite you from, I mean, I'm looking at Olga and Sherry and Daniela. Daniela's talking about Forbes because of you. I just moved to to Florida and there's all these beautiful things happening. And maybe you just have to stop and notice the little things because everything around you is a manifestation of your beliefs. Kathy, that's why you and I are talking. Somewhere in your mind, you're ready to up level or whatever. Who knows? I don't actually figure it out. I just appreciate it and have an awesome sense of gratitude for my daughter throwing up for two Mexican men who I'll never meet again, who gave me a bright red Jeep. And just being grateful for the little things in life will make your day and your life so much more fulfilled. Now, can you do
2: that every day? I mean, those are examples. Those are really chilling, like you say, examples like, oh my God, I wouldn't be here today. But what about on a daily basis? Because there's always obstacles. We wake up in the morning and it can begin with obstacles. And so do you handle, how do you handle those kinds of obstacles?
1: The exact same way. The exact same way so give me some
2: obstacles and i'll show you what i do all right i'm going to give you one that might sound absolutely ridiculous but now i have this i'm like my kids call me the uh the compliance the uh, uh, mask compliance person which i'm going around don't you shouldn't you be wearing a mask and okay so we, I, I think before the show started i told you i was just in la flying back from la and we were on uh and i'm going to say it we were on JetBlue. And we were in a mint class or whatever. It's like business class, but it's called mint. I don't know. if it, Anyway. Okay, fine. So I'm there with my boyfriend partner of 30 years. That's a whole other story because we've been together 30 years, but we're not married, which is great. Um, so I have to read your book, How to Handle Your Husband, but I don't have to worry.
1: about that. Well, Okay, so wait Before you get to your big story. Yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. Are you guys together for life? Well, that's a good, well,
2: for who's like, I mean.
1: (laughs) but is it it a commitment you've made that you guys are partners?
2: Yes, we are partners and we have an interesting situation because yes, we are, we're monogamous. We both maintain separate residences so we can either be together in in my place or in his place or uh, we, so we can be separate when we want to and we can be together when we want to, but we're mostly always together. Yes, I did I answer the question? Because yes, uh, no, 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 well, yes, I was no. married for 20 years and I had my kids and, you know, I, I'm,
1: you know. Hey, girl, I'm in the same way. situation, which is fascinating. Oh. I was oh. married. Now I'm in love with the handsomest, sexy, most amazing man in the world. Together okay. for five years. And we're going, to, I don't want to call him, we're not married um, yet. We want to be, I uh, have a little other issue to get rid of like my ex-husband, but yeah. I'm not. So, but I, we now take it. I walked the other day for the first time, he called me his wife. And I realized what that means for us is we're not boyfriend, girlfriend, because that means you just kind of met and you're when you're committed to somebody, I think there needs to be another word. We may we'll get married at some point. I can't wait to do that. But in my heart and for people's perception of how serious we are to each other, I now am saying the word husband because otherwise it doesn't seem as real. And I
2: don't want to use the I am. I'm not anybody's wife. I I, I I. say partner, which could be business partner or it could be my lesbian gay partner. It's not exactly the right word either because this is my boyfriend. Boyfriend's too young for somebody my age Right. or girlfriend, but not wife. Because that, as you say, there are all different kinds of attitudes that people have towards wives and husbands. That's not us. That's not our
1: relationship. And well, I think there's so- You know what, Catherine, if I called you a goddamn asparagus, you'd go, that's not horrible. But what if I told you in my culture, asparagus is a horrible person? But you're like, asparagus, who cares? So it's interesting how you define wife and husband. And I will tell you, for me, because Joshua is 17 years younger than me, I am loving the fact that I get to be his wife, because to me, the connotation when someone now looking at us means that we have chosen each other for life. It doesn't mean I clean up his underwear, and I. It's funny, but because you have a different definition of it. All right, so I don't want to stop that story. But when no, you, that's absolutely so, true. I do for, have but, a different.
2: I, I well, let's say we go out for dinner, or we're traveling, or we're at a hotel. I don't want somebody to, because they think I'm his wife or he's my husband. I'm the little lady. I get called all kinds of names, and I, of course, I, and, and especially, it, maybe in restaurants, for instance, and waiters and your wife. and your, But that's not who I am. I think defining myself is really um, defining myself, how I feel about it. I don't really care how other people feel about it, but it's how I feel about it. And I know that we're together. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe I sound defensive, but it's, I, I know what our relationship is and it's really important right. to me. I was somebody's wife, but I'm, I'm not his wife.
1: Well, it's so funny that you're saying that. And I love that it's, it, again, I, if you listen, this is a great, older woman conversation. Yes, it is. Second time around. Yeah. I don't feel older, but watch this. So the reason that it's important to me, I'm going to share my screen. You guys at home can't see this, but I'm going to hear Catherine's reaction. So this is my husband. Do you see that video, the visual?
2: All I have to say is, oh my God.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Right. <laughs> what, <was> there- <laughs> a
2: bo- what a body. He, what, I, I guess, what doesn't matter what you're called if you're with him. I mean, <laughs>
1: Well, no, but you do, because in fact, I'm, yeah. the holding the, I'm the one I'm the holding the light on his body. We're out in the middle of nowhere taking a photograph. <laughs> he's actually, after a horrible motorcycle accident, he's going for Mr. Olympia next month. So um. he rebuilt his entire body. And he's 44 years old. Oh. And when he called me his wife the other day, and everyone's looking at it, because wife is better than cougar. <laughs> 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 I'm yes,
0: like, yeah, it is. We have a yeah. different
1: relationship. That is not what I want to be called. So now that it's like wife, it's like, all right, I'll, I'll take that because it means that we are, in fact, together and very loving. But if you guys want to smile like Catherine just did, go take a <laughs> look at Joshua Self, S-E-L-F. He does have that body.
2: He does and, have that body. But you have a great
1: body, too. I mean, well, you, I, been, you should. I mean, this is what you do. But I will tell you, as a woman who's 17 years older, I don't feel any older when I'm with him. I feel the same age. But I will tell you, there's little looks every once in a while people give us or going, oh, wow, your son's a bodybuilder. I'm like, no, my son's at home. The guy that I'm sleeping with is right here. Yeah. Uh, I just well, like so you, to mess with people. But
2: then, well, I, you feel, do I like it. the
1: security. Um,
2: you froze.
1: Right. It's kind of fun to listen. I'm loving this competition. Oh, wait, do we need to take a break? Was I just like rambling away? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. You know what, guys? We're going to okay. take a break. And then when that come back, we're going to talk about nakedness. I don't know. Yeah. We're going to be outrageous. <laughs> don't go away. We're having too much fun right here on That's The Forbes right. Factors.
0: <laughs> we don't follow. We lead. Join us. The
2: Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Zofia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel. Your favorite Voice America talk radio network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
2: Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers
0: Channel. You are listening to The Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hey,
1: So right before we left, we were showing amazing pictures about Joshua's physical body, uh, which is absolute perfection on every level. However, let me share something with you guys. It's not that much fun. Somebody said to me the other day, oh, I want a body like Joshua. I said, that's great. Spend two hours a day in the gym. He is 100% vegetarian uh, and he eats every 20 minutes, whether it's a sweet potato or a nut, but it's not much food, very strict uh, caloric intake, and two hours every single day. And that person said, oh, I don't want to do that. Then I simply said, you don't want a body like Joshua. So be very careful what you wish for. You can't just manifestation is not always want to wake up and be 20 years old, you know, be 20 years old. It doesn't actually happen that way. But could you wake up and say, I want to feel like I'm 20 years old and remember to do things like a 20 year old? And the answer is yes. So I go roller skating on Sundays with my kids. I've been doing that since they were three years old. Every Sunday we roller skate because that's what mommy loves to do. I go out disco dancing or I jump out of airplanes or I went rappelling. That's what 20 year olds do. Well, I'm a feel 20. If you said you want a body, not quite like Josh's, but you want a better body, I'll show you what to do. Here's the regimen to do it. Here's how you go to the gym, blah, blah, blah. So you can't just, manifestation is not hope. It is not blind wishing, I don't wish for something. I look at what I want. I imagine that that's what it, and what does it take to get that? And so that's what we've been focused on. And how do we do that? So, Catherine, I'm going to assume that in your life, you've created a lot of things, a lot of different jobs that you've done, places you've lived, a partner that you're loving for the second time. You know, when you met your second partner, what were you looking for?
2: I wasn't looking, actually. I was with my first, I was with my husband. We were in a restaurant. Obviously, we hadn't been getting along. You know, we, we had our issues. We had our problems. Uh, and my, I can't believe I'm sharing this story, but- <laughs> I'm being interviewed. Okay, well, I'll tell you the story. Anyway, so we're at this restaurant and my partner now walked in and uh, there weren't many people in the restaurant. He was at the bar. We're at the bar. We start talking and I, I don't know what you would call this, but it was like, oh my God, there was something about him and there was something about me. And um we connected. And so that was kind of the beginning for us and the end of my marriage and the end of his as well. I mean, I, you know, we didn't have these great marriages that just happened like no, that. But, but so, anyway. let me,
1: so let me backtrack yeah. as the okay. manifestation angel here. You yeah. said you yeah. we weren't looking. Absolutely, you were. Yeah. What happened was your relate your current relationship wasn't as happy and fulfilling as it has been at one point, And it was waning as relationships do. And I'm not sure why we don't appreciate and understand that. It's not, divorce is not a bad thing. It is the end of a chapter. And if you've ever read a book, every chapter has an end. Every book has an end, but it has lots of chapters. I'm no longer in high school. I'm no longer in college. I close that chapter. I'm not living in New York. I close that. Can you close a chapter on people? And I'm not sure why we don't celebrate that. Saying, you know what? I did, I had kids with you. I had 20 years with you. I loved you. I don't feel the same way. It's time to move on. And I'm sad that we don't, take such a comprehensive adult look at this because it is hard, it is confusing on so many levels, but then it also had stigmas to it. Well, that's not the case. So in your mind, you were like, I wish this were, and I'm sure you might've even said it. I wish this were better. I wish I I could feel better about myself being together with a partner. And all those things that you were thinking and were ready to receive happened to be in this person who was also at that same point in his life and that spark was a timely spark and it makes so much beautiful sense that you found each other at that moment and transitioned from a one relationship to another. Yeah. And, and don't I don't you think
2: also that. Forbes you also have to be able to let go. I think people have a lot of difficulty letting go. This like you're talking about, you know, close this chapter and open a new one. You can't open the new one until you close the old one. And people hang on to that old stuff that's not working and to be able to see that and to let go and to grieve it. I mean, you talk about social work. That's part of it to grieve the loss, you know, it's, it's, and, and
1: then go on to next. I don't do that. Well, I actually hold on to people and cars and homes too long. Uh, because I did not have a lot of those things growing up, so I've kind of identified why I'm a hoarder of people. Uh, I'm not in my house, I'm very neat and organized. However, I do hoard clothes, which is a funny thing I had to notice about myself. I have clothes from high school. I've always bought very unusual, specific pieces that I knew I would never find again. You can't go get, it's not a button down shirt you could get at Macy's. These were boutique items that I've gotten and I kept them and they're like my friends sometimes. I'll put them on and they're very unusual. My kids are like, mom, you have the craziest stuff. I have a pair of shoes that have a panda as the heel. I have some very clever things and I'm not letting them go. But I also do that with people. My first boyfriend ended up at my wedding. I didn't get married for 30, and I just talked to him yesterday. We know each other for 40 years. And I'm talking like, my Josh was like, who are you talking to? I'm like, she kind of died. and he's married, and I don't. We don't have anything to do with each other. But he—it's like having a brother I never had. I had a very small family. I have no family left, and so I collect people. And you do need to grieve. You know what I'm grieving right now? How what? old are your children, Miss Catherine?
2: My children are 44, 41, and 38. Three boys.
1: Wow! Congratulations. Three boys th- and three grandsons. Oh, I love that. So my twins Babies. are 18 and they just graduated high school, and I am grieving, I can feel it, the little toddlers. I'm looking at other people's little kids going, I I can't, and I won't be a grandma, knock on wood, hopefully for another 10 years, but I'm like, I missed my, where's my little babies, and I'm feeling like I need to let that go, and I love, I mean, I still hug my son and my daughter, and they're like, mom, I'm like, I know you're six foot three, but you're still my little baby, and he's like, no, I'm not your baby, mom. I'm like,
2: That's hard to let go.
1: I know. I know, but it's the same process. You have it to- is the
2: same process. But I must say, and I wasn't one who wanted to be a grandmother either, and I had my kids in my 30s, and my kids didn't have kids until their, they're 30, so, you know, we're not young. But uh, these twins, they're twins. They're three years old, a set of twins, and a five-year-old. It's great. And it, so you get back all that stuff you're afraid of letting go of now because in 10 years, hopefully. Yep. You'll 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 get that back in spades. Really, it's great,
1: and, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So, all right. So we're talking about manifesting. Let's give me okay. another example of not that massive Give me another example of something how I manifest every day because I do this every day all day. How I
2: manifest every single day when I wake up in the morning? You mean? Yeah. Yeah. What do I do? What
1: do okay. I want? Well, because I guess the question is, Catherine, you've done a lot of things in your life. What's next? That's a good question. I think the. I'll
2: tell you one of the things that bothers me now. Maybe not you because you're younger than I am. Um, Aging, I think aging is an issue, and I do. You know, I'm concerned with. I know the word diet is not a good word, but I mean, I know how much I've weighed. I know how much I've weighed in every for the past. Umpteen years, every day, every event. I can look at a pictures. I can look at photos. I can tell you how much I weighed. I uh-huh. weighed one hundred and five. I weighed one hundred and twelve. You left me. No,
1: no, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm getting
2: something. What is it? Well, anyway, I'll I'll keep talking because I do know how much I weighed at every event, every wedding, every funeral. Uh, I have to weigh myself constantly because I feel like that puts me in control, and I guess. Yeah, you're back. Good.
1: I am back because I have the coolest fitness product that you can get. If if weight is something that confuses you, my. I mean, I. Yeah.
2: Well, I stay thin. I am thin, but I have to feel like I'm in control by weighing my. If I can't weigh myself, let's say I'm traveling and there's not a a scale in the hotel, it drives me crazy. I have to go to the spa and weigh myself. Is that a bad thing? Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. Because it's too small a focus. And it's. And honestly, if you ever need to, I can break you through that. Somehow you connected the weight number with a sense of being able to hold on to it. So if you went back to your past, were you underweight, overweight as a kid?
2: Uh, As a kid, I uh, no. as a kid, I was normal. I would say, you know, as a teenager, I did some of that stuffing and starving stuff you use, you know, and the diet, you know, dieting one day eating. uh, What was that stuff? Tab and carrots. And then the Uh next day eating, you know, over gorging and stuff. But I was pretty much always the same way. The fattest I ever was when I was in Colombia. Women gain weight when they in the Peace Corps, or they did, and the men got skinny. Well, I'm not sure. So I came back, but then I lost the weight.
1: Well, so one of the things I manifested, all kidding aside, this is actually called a Spin Gym. And this actually is my company. And it is a thing that spins at 125,000 RPM. And I do this every single day and everybody in my world has one because I'm also about being fit. And weight, that's an interesting sense of control for you. Yeah. When I think of aging, that I don't love, is I don't love that our hair is getting a little thinner, that it really is gray, that I have some wrinkles, that my skin isn't as tight as it was. I don't love those things, I really don't. And I fight them. Uh, And I don't know how you embrace it. When I'm looking at older people, it's a process, like you said, having my kids grow up and not having them as toddlers anymore is something, a reality you go, oh, Um, not wanting to look old is something I'm a little preoccupied with right now. I see how old people dress and old people act. Now, what's interesting is and interested- how
2: people react to old people. As you said, you know, I don't feel like I'm old. I, I feel like the same as I did when I was 30 or 40. Right. right. So but they're sometimes when they're talking to me like I'm an older lady. It's I'm like, are you talking to me? I mean, like, what do you? Yeah. And that bothers me.
1: And that is unfortunately, unfortunately, the plight of living as long as we have. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to come join me tonight because Elaine Lalane is 95 years old. And she is going to be my guest. I spent a couple of days with her and she also doesn't feel old. And I'll tell you what, it's hard because now she, and she loves to work out. She lost her husband 10 years ago who she's devoted to. Her son is 73. And I, I get this sense in my heart, you know, we all know that at some point there's only so many numbers you can have on a birthday cake. Yeah. And what does that mean? So I think it's about shifting it. You can't be upset when people treat you like an old lady, because that's what we look like. My kids, my kids, they dismiss old people. They're 18. And you have to remember that there's a journey and a season and a course about your life. And then you just have to, I just don't listen to people. I really don't. Uh, they're young. They're naive. They don't know. Um, I think it's frustrating sometimes, but you know, let's just come from a place of love. They're doing the best they can. And you shine from within and you seem quite young. We've got one minute in about 10 seconds. Give me one thought for the week because my time is up on our show
2: one thought for the week well i guess the one thought for the week is oh you know i had a guest on my show okay and he kind of this is my thought for the week he wrote a book called i think four thousand weeks four thousand weeks that's all we have in terms of how long we have to live i think if we live four thousand weeks you'd be live to 80 and we're not all necessarily going to live to be 80. so think about what you want to do in those four thousand weeks i've never quite put it into those terms we always talk about years four thousand weeks what do you want to do with it how are you going to live your life?
1: I love that. We're out of time. My amazing <laughs> guest, Catherine Zox. At some point, maybe I get to be a guest on your show as well. Yes, you oh, have my- to be
2: a guest. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on the show today. I love talking to you. we got lots
1: more to talk about. <laughs> you are wonderful, guys. Yeah. I love you in Forbes Factor. I'll see you again next week. Make it a great one. Bye. Bye.